The Guardians sign their third player to a long-term extension this week. They pick up their first win of the season, yet it's still all Stephen Kwan. What a week so far for the young player. We are going to go deep on Kwan in this one. We'll also get to the strong extension and the big win. But Stephen Kwan is turning into a folk hero for your Cleveland Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. First, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. And give you a quick reminder who I am. I am Jeff Ellis, the host of Lockdown Guardians for almost 700 episodes now. Uh, before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at 24-7 and Scout. And now, uh, and if you go before that, I've pretty much appeared and been, appeared on or been a guest on every single Cleveland Indians blog you can imagine. Uh, let's, oh, there comes my co-host, Nacho. You coming up? This has become the new staple of our show, right? My cat's joining in on the show. You want to say hi? You want, you came, he came for Quan. Like everyone else, he came for Quan. And what a series. Like it's, it's all downhill from here, right? Like no matter what happens, it's all downhill, downhill from here. Uh, this was, you know, I got tweeted this from Kevin Kavsnock at Kevin K V A S N O. K-12, uh, Cleveland Guardians rookie left fielder, 24-year-old Stephen Kwan has reached base 12 times in his first three games. That's two more times reaching base than any other player in their first three career games since 1901. Highest batting average in uh, first three career games since 1901. Uh, he tied what Yerman Mercedes did last year. Uh, so far in three games, his slash line is 800, 857, 1.857. <laughs> he is only... that. So that's... Uh, Okay, he's the sixth player to have a five-hit game in his uh, in in one of his first three games in AL slash NL history. The only player in MLB history to record a game with six times on base within his first twelve uh, MLB games, and all of this was just in his third game. It has been a ridiculous debut for Quan, which was is funny. You go back to what got stayed at the beginning. Where, you know, it was like, well, he's maybe not going to... Now they can't do anything but let him play. Even if, you know, half the times uh, people who don't know him are looking out there and thinking, is that the Bat Boy? Uh, I kid, but I don't kid. I'm sure there are people who had that thought. Uh, that thought. You know, he has just been utterly dynamite. Um, what, two doubles. He got hit today. Uh, so he had total three walks in the first two games. Uh, you know, it's just been... He has been a man on a mission to prove he belongs. I mean, it's just, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, yeah, this is updated here. So let's see. Total so far, uh, eight hits and 14 plate appearances, three walks, uh, and, you know, a hit by pitch. So he's reached base 12 out of 14 times he's come up and still hasn't struck out yet. Uh, his runs created plus, again, this is all small season. It doesn't matter. It's more for, you know, the humor of it is 438. So he's, he is out there doing things. He's making it impossible to not play him. Uh, you know, I kind of have gotten into it a few times defending him where people are like, this is interesting. I, at some point, Fangraphs has updated their uh, value on him 
That is interesting. I don't remember this being this high. So why am I making a big deal? They're lift, listing as hit tools as 70 slash 80. Like in, for those who don't know, the 70 slash 80, and 80 is the highest grade possible. We're talking about if they're listing him in a 70 slash 80, they're listing his hit tool as a potential greatest hitter in baseball. Uh, and that is his current versus his future. Like, did someone break this? I, I kind of want to, you know, they're calling him here, like, in the, uh, the Brett Gardner mold. He does not swing and miss, has traffic uh, defensive instincts. He made a few great plays out there and left. You know, he has no power. You're hoping for him to be, you know, the guy who comes to mind, on top of my head. Like, earlier I had one cop, but it's like, remember Brian Roberts, who I think one year had, like, a ridiculous, like, 30 or 40 home runs? Uh, let's see, where was it? No, he never did. Okay. What he had was like 50 doubles and 40 doubles multiple times. I was, I don't know why. I think that year he had 18 home runs and that was a high, but it's a guy who had 16, 18, 10, 12, but was, you know, rather consistently a very strong hitter, walked at a high rate, had sterling on base percentages, was also, was five foot nine. So he's in the Quan. Like this, this is his comp. This is, I'm going to feel good about this one. I think Quan is listed five foot nine as well, right? Same height. Uh, yeah, five, they, they have some, same height, same weight. How about that? Uh, he was a first round pick out of, uh, university of South Carolina back in the day it was a 30 career war at second base for Baltimore, an excellent player, multi-time all-star. So I think that is where I'm going to lead into for my comp. So why do I like that Brian Roberts comp? Well, similar size plus defenders could run well, walk, and I don't have the strikeout percentages right in front of me, but he was not someone who, uh, who struck out a whole ton in my... Oh, here it is. Yeah, like his strikeout percentage is 13.5 for a major league career. That's pretty good. So I think that is a, a pretty strong comp for Quan, and I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, you know, he is a player who, again, I mean, at peak was worth almost six... was over five war twice. There's going to be limitations to Quan's value because he does not have much power. Um, but I think he'll do enough other things. You know, he's not going to be the best guy in terms of your fantasy stats, um, he is not going to be the guy, you know, he's going to cool down at some point and there's going to be some cold stretches. Cause when you are strongly based on contact rates, that can be a bit of an issue, but he has walked, you know, at a higher percentages for most of his minor league career. Um, so I think he'll have that to balance out. It's, it's going to be disappointing at some point because he's right now playing like uh, a video game and he's going to cool down. It is inevitable. But if you're enjoying it, go ahead and enjoy it. I mean, he is already in three games. His war is 0. 0.2. 0. 0.2. Uh, let's let's put that in the outfield draft ranking since uh, 2020. Ready for this? So I went and did the quick math. If we want to count Joe Inlet, who was listed as a second baseman slash outfielder at University of Nevada, uh, in terms of war, uh, after three games, Stephen Kwan is currently tied with Clint Frazier and Trevor Crow for career war and seventh best outfielder war since the year 2000 amongst drafted outfielders. There's been a lot of them. You want the full list? You ready for the full list? Luke Scott, one, 11.8 war. Ryan Church, two, 9.1. Joe Inglet, three, 4.9. Four, Tyler Naquin, 3.5. Five, Bradley Zimmer, 2.7. Six, Ben Francisco, 2.5. Uh, wait, did I do this right? One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm sorry, it'd be eighth within Inglet. Uh, seventh is Greg Allen with a one. And then Crow, Frazier, 
Quan all tied for eighth still. Doesn't change the fact that after one weekend, he is one of the 10 most productive outfielders for a team that has drafted a lot of outfielders in the last 22 years. That's where we are. That is where we are as a team. Uh, you can just keep going. It is three games. You don't want to make too much out of big games. I still feel like someone, at fan, someone hacked fan graphs. I mean, an 80-hit tool, future projection. Again, that's projecting him to like be Tony Gwynn, right? Like if it, you know, Tony Gwynn, Ted Williams, considered the greatest series in the game. If you're saying he's going to be an 80, you're putting him in that bracket. I'm not doing that. I mean, a 70 seems pretty fair, but he's a 70 now, future 80. I, I think fan graphs, fan graphs got hacked, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are uh, extremely bullish on Stephen Kwan. He's had a big weekend. Uh, there's a lot of reason for excitement. I mean, the Guardians moved him up. And it's funny today to see a lot of people being like, oh, it's nice having a good bat at five, like a Med Rosario. It just helps the lineup. Like, Why do you think I was saying put Quan there? <laughs> you want to get your best hitters at the top of the lineup. This is what I've been talking about uh, for forever on this podcast. We are going to take that first break. We're going to come back, talk Miles Straw extension. And then we'll get into the two games from this weekend. Obviously, uh, Sundays is a ton to talk about when the Guardians went wild. In the history of this podcast, there have been two games that went out of my way to say, oh, I should bet on these, and one award. That award was for Stephen Kwan at 5,000 plus odds, which I'm going to regret uh, mighty heavily if I was wrong, over with our good friends over at Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's talk Miles Straw. Now, if you're a long-time listener to this show, you can think back to, golly, like last winter of 2021, early, or of 2020, early 2021, uh, when I had the Houston Astros host on. I was supposed to have another host who couldn't show up, and uh, Eric was very nice to hop in, and we had a chat, and I was even bothering them about Miles Straw. You can go and listen to that, where I'm like, no, we had a whole discussion about the fact that I liked Miles Straw because he walks a lot. And he's like, that's, he doesn't walk in the big leagues. I'm like, well, no, he walked in the minors. Um, and that's why I liked him quite a bit. And we had a whole discussion because I've been talking about acquiring Miles Straw for easily a year and a half before the Guardians did. Uh, I had the same point of view the Guardians did, that this is a worthwhile starter for your team, a worthwhile player. Uh, he is a special athlete who does not strike out much. And this is, you know, I saw... I think Chad Young was his name. I should I should dig out. He had a great tweet, you know, kind of about this whole idea of that, you know, he may not be. Yeah. So let me uh, give a shout out to at Chad Young. Uh, last year, Jose Ramirez had the ninth lowest uh, swinging strikeout percentage in the MLB. Smile Straw had the second lowest, and then you got Quan hitting between them, who hasn't swung through a pitch yet. That's a brutal way for a pitcher to start. It's like, yeah, that is going to be a top of the order that wears people down, much like when you had Santana up there taking a ton of pitches and you had Jose Ramirez hitting two in Lindor and it just wore people down. That's what's going to be fun with this. And the Guardians, like I said, they tried to get Straw for a few years. They were finally able to get him. And now he's locked up. So essentially, much like Classe and Ramirez, this gives them potentially seven years of team control. Now, the last two years, much like with Class A, are team options. So if things don't work out, they can always you know, say bye-bye. 
But if everything does work out, you're looking again at you know your center fielder, your MVP candidate, third baseman, and potentially the best closer in baseball locked up for seven years as the young players start to come. Uh, and I think what we're seeing here is directly the CBA. This is the change the CBA is causing. It's the same thing with like Cabron Hayes, who hasn't played a ton, but got the eight-year, $70 million uh, extension because you want to get those years now because you're not getting the great deal you used to, right? Like if a player is a great player, they're going to start getting money in their second year of arbitration. It's not three years, then money. You don't have three cheap years, and now we got to figure it out. It is guys get paid sooner. If you want to lock in a deal, you need to lock it in sooner. Uh, Miles Straw was four days away from being a Super 2 candidate. He was right on the cusp. Now, he is not someone whose profile typically is going to lead to huge numbers. Now, if he starts getting hardware, it doesn't matter you know, the fact that he's more of like a league average bat. And again, I will take league average in this outfield. But he is a, you know, he's a potential gold glove center fielder every single year. If he starts getting hardware, the the price goes up. Like hardware, hardware and home runs and saves and things like that. There are certain things that always increase uh, salaries. So the Guardians lock him in at uh, five years, 25 million. So he's getting five million a year. I, you know, I didn't see the exact breakdown per year. I'm sure I could pull that up if I was really looking, but they're locking him in at about an average of five million per year. Now the uh, the uh, the the extension years, not the extension years, the uh, the team options are eight million in 2027 and eight point five million. Those are going to be in his early 30s. So those, you know, there, there's a chance that those don't both get picked up, but you're locking up. This team has been on the hunt for a center fielder. I mean, since when do you know it's supposed to be Mercado? Uh, but again, if you listen to the show, it's like at the end of that Mercado season. I was like, this guy is streaky. I don't count on him there. Like, this is something that that is undefined yet. This is something that is not a sure thing. Um, you know, it's like when Brantley was a center fielder, but wasn't good at it. Do you go back to like when you had Bourne and Stubbs and Brantley and that defensive alignment? where, you know, at least you got good defense and, you know, the offense wasn't atrocious. It was closer to league average. It wasn't what you were paying someone like Bourne for, but still. My co-host is back. You have something else to add? Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at what Straw's done. Through his career, he's been right about league average. Right about there. Now, when he came to the Guardians, it picked up even more. I don't know if they really would mess with anything. But it, it's funny because we talk about Steve Kwan's value. Straw might be more valuable as a fantasy player, like if that's your thing, because he steals so many bases. Like Quan will steal a few here and there, but that's not going to be his game. Uh, when you're talking about, you know, fantasy value, Straw has more. When you're talking about what he brings to the team, look at what teams did trying to find center fielders this offseason. I mean, think about what Philadelphia would probably give up right now for Miles Straw. You'd, you'd be able to get a more than you paid. Let's put it that way. Because teams need center fielders. You know, Seattle, the view there is Kalenic has gotten too thick for center. Julio is probably not going to be that long term. Like they still need a center fielder. You know, how many teams have been looking for center fielders this offseason? And the Guardians have one. And they have him for seven years. And he's a top three defender and he's a league average bat who doesn't swing at bad pitches. And once he's on the base pads, is an elite base runner. There's a lot of positives there, and $5 million a year. I mean, think about Eddie Rosario. 
Like he was considered a discount deal at eight million a year. They're getting Straw for less than they paid Cesar. I mean, I like Straw better than either of those players. So this is a fantastic team-friendly deal. Um, I don't know what the buyouts are, you know, on those contract years. It's probably at least a million, but it's a solid deal. And if he starts bringing home hardware, I mean, that's the thing. If Miles Straw wins like two or three Gold Gloves in a row, there's no guarantee of that. Gold Gloves are so subjective, and it hurts him playing in Cleveland in terms of the market. But he would have gotten to be more expensive than $5 million easily in his third or fourth year if he brought home hardware. I have no doubt about that. So this saves them money. It is a smart signing. And for a team that has been looking for stability in center field for a very long time, they've got it. And you know this was a the guy they targeted. And this is a player I targeted on this podcast and talked about many times uh, for all the same reasons that the Indians, or I should say the Guardians now, targeted him. So I think we'll see more extensions. Uh you know, I still hold out hope for like Quantrell and Franmil. I think Bieber's not going to happen. That's the one I put in like the Lindor camp because now Biebs is getting paid and it's a lot harder and pitchers get to be so expensive. I don't think we see Biebs uh, sign an extension. As a matter of fact, he could be a trade candidate this offseason. I've talked about that before. If he puts together another fantastic year. But everyone else, all those other core pieces that we have been discussing, I, I think you sit down, you chat, and you start locking money in. Because again, with the change in the CBA, you're not getting all those cheap years at the start you used to if a player is really good. So you instead want to start locking in some kind of contract. And you know, players like it in Cleveland. I mean, the fans get annoyed with them. But it's like it is an easygoing place to play. It is a strong management it is a forward-thinking team, uh, and you know it's got a good vibe. By all accounts, like guys who come here seem to enjoy it. So, yeah, Straw is here. It is a fantastic signing. It is another core piece locked up. They've got the young players coming up the middle. Someone's going to be a sec- shortstop. Someone's going to be a second baseman. We're not sure yet. Sure looks like you got Quan and Straw in the outfield. Again, we'll caution the small sample size. We're also going to enjoy a fantastic weekend. So, you know, that other outfield spot, is it Jones? Is it Valera? If you keep Fran Mill, like, is one, do one of them move to D? Uh, if you don't keep Fran Mill, does one move there? If you keep them, does one move to first? I, they're, they're building internally. For as much as I was as annoyed as everyone else that they just sat back and watched free agency happen, this is what I said they had to do. If you're not going to go out and sign players, then you need to start signing your own. You need to start locking up your talent. And they're doing that. They are doing what they need to do. And if they really, truly believe that, like, outside of getting the elite of the elite, outside of getting a Winker or an Olsen, if they think that Meadows is a, you know, just a, you know, a, not a horse, we don't call it a horizontal move, do we? Yeah, we do, right? It's, it's late. I'm going to blame my, I've had some, like, uh, just flakiness today. But, you know, when we, if they view it as just that horizontal move, which is what I think they viewed Meadows as, like, he's a terrible defender and he only hits part of his platoon well or he's essentially a platoon bat. So we're not going to go out and trade assets to get a guy and then pay him. Uh, if we can get Winker, it's like he is an elite hitter against um, the fat part of platoon. We'll deal with the bad defense. If we can go out and get Matt Olson, he is just a wrecking crew. So we'll go out and trade for him. But if we can't get someone that we know is an upgrade, then we are going to hold pat with what we have. We have maybe the deepest miners in baseball, uh, and we are going to feel good that... Uh, you know, some of these players are starting to uh, hit, contribute, and be a part of this team's future. 
and we'll keep as many of the core pieces as we can and build out from there. And that really seems to be the approach. So we are going to take that second break here. We're going to come back and talk about the first win of the season and also the extra inning affair from Saturday. And our sponsor is one of my favorite sponsors. <laughs> you know, that means it's Bilt Bar. I got my order of the yellow chirps. It does taste like a peep. I'm just going to say it. So you get to eat a peep that has eight grams of protein, 80 calories, six grams of sugar. That's right. It's a peep that gives you eight grams of protein and only six grams of sugar. Uh, if that is your thing, if you are someone who likes a peep like I do, go check it out right now. Get the yellow chirp. That is that specific flavor. I enjoy it quite a bit. My latest order was the yellow chirp and the churro. I already talked about my love of churro and just my love of the puffs in general. The one downside to the puff, if I'm being honest, is you don't get the fiber that you get on the other ones. But still, you're getting high grams of protein, 8 grams. You're getting potassium. You're getting calcium. You're getting no trans fats. It is a healthy little bar that, again, tastes like candy in this case. Go to BillBar.com yourself. When I go, I use the promo code LOCK15 just like I advise you to do because I want to save 15% on all of my orders. I like saving money. If you like saving money, use the promo code LOCK15. BillBar.com is a product I've been eating for three years. There's no other product I can say that about. There's no other product I've eaten as consistently daily over the last three years as I have BillBar. Go to BillBar.com and try it for yourself. So we have uh, two polar opposite games. Saturday's game. Guardians lose one nothing in extras. Uh, your fun extra inning rule. So Classe picks up the loss, even though he does not have an earned run. Does get hit around in this one for two hits. That's I mean, look at Plesak. Three hits and five and two thirds, three strikeouts. Shaw, another appearance. Just, let's keep. We need to. I need to put a counter in the background so we can start tracking just how much money this is going to cost. Uh, but Sandlin comes in. Trevor Steffen comes in. Anthony Ghost comes in. Pitching does their job. You expect Class A to get through. He does not um, in this one. So who reached base more than once? Uh, one Stephen Kwan. And that's it, unfortunately. They only had five hits and a walk in this one. Uh, of those six uh, base appearances, three of them went to Kwan. Uh, Ernie Clement did get hit by a p- I'm sorry, Clement reached twice. That, that's not true. Clement had a hit, and he got hit by a pitch. So there were two players who did reach base twice. Only extra base hit went to Kwan. If you're looking at the Indians' head... Um, seven opportunities to the eight opportunities that uh, went to Kansas City. Uh, Bobby Witt with a big play in this one. It's an unfortunate loss. It's an annoying loss because uh, you get that great pitching performance and you just can't seem to get it together. You just kind of tap your cap and move on. Uh, three stars in this one. Please hack for sure. Quan for sure. And I think I give it to Clement for reaching base twice. Uh, it's hard to split it amongst the pen arms uh, for this one when I'm looking at it. So I go Clement, Quan, Plesak, and let's move on to the win, 17-3. to I joined this one. It was already like in the third. And it was already like 10-2 to when I came in. Uh, Quantrell is your starter. Kind of interesting that he's the third starter, right? That he, you know, that they went Bieber, Plesak, then Quantrell then Savale. It's interesting. It's just maybe not when most of us expected Plesak to be the number two. Pitch like it. Uh, Quantrill had a solid game, five innings. They let him, it felt like he was laboring a bit at points. Uh, it was only 74 pitches, or 76 pitches, but it, it was definitely like, okay, he's getting beat up a bit. Uh, Eli Morgan, here's the nice thing with Morgan. So, almost from the moment he was drafted, like I said, move him to the pen, make him a reliever, see if the fastball plays up. 
his fastball today was like three miles an hour faster than it was on average a year ago, two miles an hour fat. Like it played up. And then you've got the change, which might be the best secondary offering any Cleveland pitcher has. And I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, again, uh, there's so much more value in a starter than a reliever. So I get that. But if you are this team, um, especially if the pitching stays, I, I understand he's your sixth starter, right? So you also kind of need him because no one pitches just five starters in a year. No one pitches just six. You need that depth. So it's, it's hard to say move him out until you feel like Cody Morris can be healthy, until you feel you know better about Pilkington. I mean, honestly, until you feel like we very much jumped the gun, I think, with McKenzie. Like, I think McKenzie, again, everything works out. McKenzie is this team's ace in a year if they have to move on from Bieber. Uh, but he's not – I don't look at him as like – let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, Jeff MLE Draft. And I want to take this moment to, again, thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. But let me know at my Twitter, at Jeff MLB Draft. Do you think he's proven? I, like, I don't honestly think, like, Plesak's proven either. Like, I feel like we know kind of what Savali is. Like, he's a three. Quantrell, I'm a little iffy on, just because it's one year. Like, to me, that's not proven. Like, I... I I know Bieber, I know Savale. The rest, I feel like I'm not, I'm a little closer at least. Like, I feel like the other three, Quantrell, um, McKenzie, Plesak, like they're all starters. I just don't know how high in the rotation. So let me put it that way. Does that make sense? Uh, but yeah, I'm just kind of curious to see exactly how it plays out. But I mean, Morgan was dealing. Uh, new guy, Castro, comes in, not the best. Two hits, gives up an earned run late in the game. I mean, it was garbage time. Who cares? I was hoping we'd see Pilkington, but I think they are keeping Pilkington to piggyback Savale tomorrow. Like, they had a starter to piggyback outside of, I mean, Plesak didn't, um, but you saw saw McKenzie for Bieber. We saw Morgan today, so I feel like Pilkington is probably um, piggybacking. Sam Henches was great in his inning, uh, but uh, to go back to Castro, who they traded Bradley uh, Zimmer for, uh, and I've gotten some great data from Michael Bode over at Waiting for Next Year, tweeted some things, and we'll get into that later in the week. But he went, I already read the line. Why am I going back to it? Uh, what a day, though. It's <laughs> Stephen Kwan, five for five. Uh, and then the other time he came up, he had six plate appearances, got hit by a pitch. So he reached all six times. <sighs> who reached base twice in this one? Well, it's almost like who didn't. So you got Straw and Kwan, Jose Ramirez, Fran Mil Reyes, Ahmad Rosario, Owen Miller, Ernie Clement, Oscar Mercado. La Bastida did not, and then your pinch hitters did not. Um, so, like, Chang, Jimenez, uh, Bradley Zimmer, those guys didn't. It was essentially, like, La Bastida was the only guy who didn't reach base twice who was a starter in this one. A day, 22 hits, four walks. That's, was it just the one hit batter? Yeah, one on each side. So it was like, they had 27 opportunities, and they got... 17 runs on the other side they had seven hits and one walk and a hit batter so they had nine opportunities three runs on nine hits isn't bad uh chris bubeck uh, they had bubeck and uh jackson kowar and brady singer what's funny about that is the ballyhooed draft class for them of like their future like front of the rotation starters were those three guys they had that was the year kansas city owned the draft i believe that was maybe after like hosmer left in free agency and they had multiple first round picks I can't remember if it was like they had two comp picks. or I mean, I wrote a whole piece. It's just blanking in my mind. But they used those picks, and they went Singer, then Kowar, then Bubek. Was that also Daniel Lynch that year? It was Lynch the next year. 
and Jonathan, I think it was also Lynch and Jonathan Bolden from Memphis. I think those were the guys. Like, I mean, they, and then Kyle Isabel, when they finally stopped, when after they took five straight starters, um, doing with Kyle Isabel, the outfielder. It was a really interesting class. Uh, I was so low on Singer and Kowar. I was not a big fan of the Florida arm. So it was not, you know, there were people who, who were, you know, talking about Singer as the top player in the class. That was not me. Uh, I, I like Kowar more than Singer, actually. And now neither of them are starters right now. Uh, Bubek was the lefty who, when we talk about guys, you know, dominating the Cape, that was Bubek. He used the Cape as his launch board, led the Cape in strikeouts. And we've seen that, uh, Tyler Clark, Taylor Clark, I should say, who we talked about on this show and Arizona let him get, go. Uh, he got an appearance for him. Uh, they had a lot of guys go out there and none of them were effective. Uh, not at all. Your, your stars in this one, you know, Stephen Kwan, of course, Jose Ramirez going three for four and also having his first home run of the year. And Oscar Mercado had a grand slam. Uh, he went, and here's the thing though, he goes two for six in this one. His batting average on the year is still 182. So not ideal. But, you know, he had the grand slam. He was batting eighth uh, in this matchup. I, I still think I'm totally fine with that. Um, I'm definitely getting to the point where I'm like, listen, if we do some kind of weird Owen Miller, Yu Chen Chang, getting those guys to play every day and you know, Chang at first base. I, you know, they didn't even really go to Chang in this one. So I, I think his time is limited. Everyone who is really high on him and Hiram, I know you're going to tell me he's not getting opportunities and that's fair. And he's not getting opportunities, but they're Terry. I mean, wait, if you're not going to play him, then what's the point? And, I'd rather see Chang and Miller getting more opportunities than, than Bobby Bradley at this point in time. I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and put that out there. I've never been the biggest Bobby Bradley guy, so everyone out there is probably like, uh, "That's we're not shocked. But yeah, no, I think as we're looking at this one, it was a lot of fun. Stephen Kwan just continued to be magical. Jose Ramirez has been doing Jose Ramirez stuff. I mean, Ahmed Rosario... Ahmed Rosario is is doing his. It was a, maybe Owen Miller, the best game of his career. They beat him up. <laughs> There's no other way around it. They beat up the Royals. Now the Royals took the first two, so they still have the bragging rights in this one as we head into, you know, because uh, weirdly, no game on Friday. I, I, that still annoys me. It's like, come on, Friday night, why am I not getting a game? Tomorrow's game is Aaron Zavale versus Carlos Hernandez. And then you go to Cincinnati with Bieber versus Tyler Molly, Tristan McKenzie against Nicholas Lodolo. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's roster resources projecting incorrectly. But uh, Bieber versus Molly makes sense. And then our off day this week is Thursday, which is perfect because then our Wednesday wrap-up. Um, no, it's not perfect. Well, we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Uh, then it's San Francisco coming to town for an early play. You know, we'll have our college wrap-up. We'll, we'll continue... To, to focus in and do that when we have those off days. We'll talk about what's going on, the ups and downs, the players. We'll get into the games on the daily. Uh, if any more contracts get signed, we can hope. Uh, but for all the inactivity, <laughs> it was like they took a big nap and woke up. And then since then, we've gotten Classe, we've gotten Jose Ramirez, we've gotten Miles Straw all extended, and we got Bradley Zimmer traded for an interesting pitcher that we will get to talk about later this week more in depth. It's a fun time to be a Guardians fan. They're one and two, but it has been a fun one and two. The pitching has pitched well. The young players are starting to look good. Your MVP is still an MVP. 
they're not far away. At least that is my view. Let me know again. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. Make sure to rate and review. Uh, download daily. Remember, we, this is a special time. Let's break the top 10 podcasts over on the network. We have never managed that. So download every single day. I would much, you know, it'd be a big appreciation if you could just download the podcast every day, pay it on, you know, 10x speed, make me a happy man. In terms of the YouTube, to just check in 112 subscribers. So thank you to everyone. We crashed through that top 100. Uh, let's keep going from there. Uh, the Bradley Zimmer podcast is the highest watched one we have right now. That is by far. So uh, last week's crushed everyone else's, that Friday one. Uh, you know, Let me know what you're thinking, how you're feeling. I am always up for a mailbag. So hit the t- my Twitter up there as well. Uh, and then let's let's do the one last thing, Locked on Guardians. Let's one more as we just navel gaze here towards the end of the show. Uh, we are at 103 ratings. More is better. And this will be episode 688. So, again, rate and review, download daily, subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, and thank you in general to Locked on Guardians fan base. I, you know, have been kind of saying like, hey, if you enjoy the show, you want to make sure that the people who are higher ups for me see that you like this show. And you want it to stay. So do everything you can, all those little things, if you are currently a fan and want to see everything continuing the way it is. Uh, I love all the sport through the years, you guys and gals, um, and everything else that you qualify or qualify. Uh, I don't want to butcher this and make anyone. Whatever you identify as, thank you. And I'm going to end the show as I end every episode. Go, go, Guardians, go.